The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. You are listening to Truth Time with Pastor Monty. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. I do have a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. You want answers? You can't handle the truth! The problem is having the right worldview and acting upon it. The worldview that gives men and women the truth of what is. Welcome to Truth Time with Pastor Monty, a show about God's truth in today's society from a multi-generational pastoral perspective. The Truth Time with Pastor Monty broadcast is a part of Aletheia Bible Fellowship's Project Vigilance, a web portal that provides internet Christians out there with helpful content and insights. We're produced by ABF's Vigilance Radio Network. If you're interested in this ministry or our other shows, you can check us out at abfpdx.org, where you can access more resources, donate, and learn more about us. At the top of the show today, let's remember to help us spread this content by liking, sharing, and subscribing to this episode. And if you haven't yet, go ahead and join our Facebook group, where you can stay up to date on this and all our programming. You can find it at vrn.abf on Facebook. Now that all that's said, I'm Pastor Josh, your engineer and senior pastor over at ABF, and this is Pastor Monty. Welcome to Truth Time. I'm Pastor Monty, and we're going to continue our discussion uh, that we've been having in regard to what does Scripture say about um, being a about Christianity uh, as as a uh, as a belief system. So uh, we're going to do that in the Christ Factor. Just a We're basically having this discussion because of the importance of understanding that that uh, we derive who we are because of what Scripture has to say uh, about who we are, not what society says, not what a theologian says, not what a uh, ecclesiastical body says, but what does Scripture have to say? We have explored in the past an understanding of who we are as disciples of Christ and the dynamics, the changes that took place in our life because of our allegiance to Jesus Christ. But having an understanding of what Christianity is supposed to be, according to Scripture, is, uh, is important, uh, particularly nowadays, because in our current cultural climate, uh, we see uh, many individuals seeking to rewrite or to provide a different narrative. So there are, there are many groups out there which claim to be um, Christian uh, in nature, but when you look at uh, how they live and do they match against what Scripture has to say, uh, many of them uh, do not match up. These groups I call pseudo-Christian groups because they are fake and they are not, uh, they are not authentic in what it is that they believe or they teach. Um, so we uh, left off last week talking about the fact that Scripture talks about uh, 
Christianity being spiritual warfare, that we are in a, a, a continuous battle against the powers and principalities of darkness, and it is a spiritual battle that we wage, not uh, so much a physical battle. Uh, I think that, that one of the things that a lot of people have difficulty with, or, or they, <laughs> maybe they forget, I don't know, you know, we get caught up in our physicalness, but there are many people that um, rely upon that physicalness and forget that there's a spiritual nature to who we are. Remember when God created us, God created us as spiritual beings first. And then uh, emotional individuals because we um, reflect our creator and then um, physical last. Now, during the fall, remember that that was flipped on its head, and physical became first. And so many people view the physical as the most important. But, but, what, but what Scripture tells us in multiple places, and we don't need to go into that now, but what Scripture tells us in multiple places is that the, uh, the physical is, is, uh, is not only to be diminished, but the physical is going to be destroyed. That means that this body, as I know and understand it, is, is uh, going to be destroyed. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't need to be a good steward of that which I have. I have a responsibility in stewardship, but I, have to, I need to have an a, a, a understanding that uh, this physical world which, in which I live is all going to be destroyed. And that God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth and that uh, it is only uh, it, only those things which God uh, decides to be uh, pure are going to remain. So uh, I, actually, I look forward to that. Right now, you you if you're watching this, you might notice that my uh, <clears throat> my right arm is bundled up right now um, because uh, you know I'm dealing with an. I'm basically I've got tendonitis. And well, they 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 call it either tennis elbow or golfer's elbow. That's the new thing now. But I don't I don't play tennis and uh, I don't golf. But I've got golfer's elbow. I, I I tend to go more towards calling it golfer's elbow than tennis elbow because I could play golf. I just don't. Uh, so it sounds more sophisticated. What it really is, is his tendonitis, which means that the, the muscles in my arm are strained. And so they need, uh, they need just some, some TLC. That's because my body is getting old. And I don't know about getting. It's definitely old. <laughs> well, I'm, 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 I'm presuming, Josh that uh, the Lord is going to be gracious and I at least have a couple of years still in me. So it's getting old. Okay. <laughs> okay, so, 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 what does scripture, uh, so what does Scripture have to say uh, in regard to uh, Christianity? Well, not only are we in a spiritual warfare, but we are to be the salt of the earth. Scripture says Christianity is the salt of the earth. 
Now we've talked a little bit about the properties of salt before, but just, just as a reminder, salt's used for a number of different things. Um, salt, is, uh, salt is used for seasoning. So, so if you apply that then, you know, our, our faith in uh, Christ, the fact that we are disciples of Christ, means that when we interact with society, those people who are not believers, those people who um, do, do not follow the same guidance that we do from Scripture, um, we have an opportunity before us to add flavor, as it were, to how it is that they approach life. And what you're going to find, what I, what I have found, at least in my, um, in my years of dealing with people, is that they, people go through, um, people go through uh, times where they simply don't want to hear anything about Christ. Mm -hmm. And you can bring up the subject of Christ in a conversation, or you can tell people what he's been doing in your life, and they're like, ah, okay, whatever. You know, whatever. Um, but then again, it may be that a year or so down the road or two years down the road or they may be going through a crisis or whatever it is and guess who they turn to for answering those bigger questions that they just can't find answer for. Right. They turn to, they turn to believers. They turn to people who have a relationship with God. Uh, and so you need to be prepared to be that salt to help them understand what life is all about, because really that's the key right there. So as believers, we have a golden opportunity before us where we can be uh, the salt uh, of the earth by providing seasoning. Uh, not only does uh, salt uh, provide seasoning, and in, in, uh, in, uh, let me just, you know, wrap that portion up of our conversation by saying, you know, in, in the old days, back in the day, um, you know, certain cultures used to pay people with salt. Yeah. It was that valuable. Yeah. Um, you, ever, you ever hear the expression, uh, word, that person is worth their salt? Oh, yeah. That's mm -hmm. what it means. That, they, that, that people would be paid uh, with salt uh, it was so important. If you've ever tried cooking, here's a, for those of you who are handy in the kitchen, if you've ever tried cooking without salt, um, that's really hard to do. Really hard to make uh, food taste flavorful. Now, there's a number of stuff out there today that they, that they attempt to do that, but it's, uh, it's really quite a challenge. I think I've told this story maybe once before, um, where I uh, was uh, helping a friend of mine who was an officer in the army, and she was a dietitian, and she was trying to put together diets for people that had to be on uh, restricted sodium, and uh, we would uh, work together sometimes trying to come up with recipes uh, in the kitchen practically that uh, didn't have any salt. Um, really hard. Yeah. So salt is used for flavor, and uh, that's one of its properties. But, the, but it has other properties, uh, and it, it, it is, uh, it is a, a retardant. Salt retards um, decay. 
Yeah, it's like a preservative. Yeah, it's a preservative. And, and in the old days, uh, it, it was one of the, the staple preservatives before they had all the chemicals and stuff that they have now. Uh, the old way... And refrigerators. Of, and refrigerators, definitely, and refrigerators. In the old days, the way to preserve meat or fish or, or anything of that nature was to uh, soak it uh, in salt or in a brine. And, uh, and I can't remember if I've told this story or not, but really, my first experience, I didn't know that. You know, growing up as a, as a young man, I, that was beyond my, my knowledge at, at that point. My first experience with, with that was uh, in the Navy when they would, uh, when you would have to make um, uh, SOS. Mm-hmm. Um, Stuff and, on a shingle. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it would, basically, you could make that in a number of different ways, but the, the traditional way to make it was with using chipped beef. And so, the, and and so, I, I, the, it was on the menu that I was supposed to make uh, SOS to put uh, over uh, fresh made biscuits. So you know, SOS and and biscuits, and so I made the biscuits, and then I got ready to prepare the the uh, the SOS, and and you know, so I made gravy, and I made good gravy. So I made my white sauce, and I took the the meat, not knowing. I took the meat out of the package and uh, cut it up and threw it inside the gravy. And when I when I tasted it, in order to even out the flavor so it was correct, it about knocked me off my feet because the beef had been cured in salt. And when they sent it to me in the package, it was still salted. Mm-hmm. And so what you were supposed to do, which I learned later... What you're, <laughs> what you're supposed to do as part of your preparation is you were supposed to soak that beef uh, in water and then drain off the water in order to drain the salt out. Right. Uh, because to it was, desalt it, basically. Yeah, to desalt it because it was preserved in salt, and I didn't know that. And uh, that, was, uh, that was an eye-opener to me. Um, so you know, if you've never if you've never tried SOS, it's worth trying. You know, it's mm. it's good stuff. <laughs> sure. You know, whether it's chip beef or tuna or whatever type of meat you want to do, there's nothing like SOS over toast or biscuits. That being said, <laughs> salt is a preservative. So, okay. So <laughs> so so according to. According to scripture, then, as salt of the earth, part of our response, part of the church's uh, action and responsibility, then, is to preserve society. So as Christianity works itself out in society, so you have uh, the the disciples of, of Christ that are active in the various cultures in which they live, in which the gospel has been transmitted to, they act as a deterrent to that society uh, destroying itself. And when people live for Christ as they're supposed to live, then it slows down the deterioration of society. Pastor Josh and I, we're, we're going to talk about, 
a little bit about some of what's happening later today. But, but Pastor Josh and I were talking about the fact that, that all societies deteriorate. They go through cycles where they will start out with the great ideal and then over time they begin uh, to deteriorate. And we are seeing that in our society today. Now, the church, uh, part of how quickly that the society deteriorates is dependent upon whether there is a preservative there in order to slow that deterioration down. Right. Because essentially, mankind is who mankind is. And, and without Christ, we fulfill our selfish desires and predominantly consider only what is good for self. And so what happens is, is as, as man glorifies self and seeks to fulfill his own selfish desires over, the, over what is good for society, that society begins to break down. And uh, we'll talk more about that a little bit later. But, but so the church is supposed to be a preservative uh, as we interact in society and as we do what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, and then uh, the another aspect of salt then is that uh, salt can um, destroy. Right. It and, it's corrosive. And it's corrosive. And so there are elements of how it is that we interact in society that um, sometimes uh, it's going to be corrosive. Now, that's, a, that's an idea that a lot of people... Uh, in the church would have difficulty with because, my goodness, you represent Christ. How can you be corrosive? And yet we should be corrosive to sin. We should be corrosive to untruth. We should be corrosive towards those things which are ungodly and do not represent um, God's work in society. And so those things need to be broken down. And the church serves as a function to be able to call those things into question and to break them down, um, and and so that's and so that's that's another element. And then the the last element is you know when salt when salt so salt has um, and many people don't maybe realize this, but salt has a uh, a um, a time frame to it, mm. and, and it it itself deteriorates in its usefulness. And, and when, salt, when, when salt no longer flavors, when salt is no longer um, a preservative, when salt uh, fails to serve in the function that it's supposed to, right. then it's to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And, and that says something also to... When, we, when you go to Scripture and you look at the responsibility of the church and how it is that the church is to function in society, Scripture talks about this very thing, that those people that are not fulfilling uh, what they are um, supposed to be fulfilling as members of the body of Christ, Scripture says that um, there's going to be a... Uh, a, a there's going to be a... Um, Reckoning. A reckoning, yeah, yep. that's a good word. There's going to be a reckoning, and that uh, those individuals risk being cut off 
Now, we're not talking about, it's a separate discussion, we're not talking about salvation here. We're talking about, you know, the, but, but Scripture says, you know, as far as, for example, branches. In the book of John, John, Jesus talks about the fact that, you know, those branches that do not produce fruit will be cut off. And just as being, the, if we're not out in society uh, providing that element of salt, if we're not doing those things which are a part of who we are, then we need to recognize that uh, um, there, there will be a reckoning. Now, there's a lot of stuff contained inside of there. Josh, you haven't said much except to agree. Uh, you want to add anything before we move on to the next one? Um, no, not necessarily. I, I just I was thinking back to earlier in the conversation about um, not salt, but just about um, like our bodies being something that we're going to be getting rid of, basically. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, that they're going to be transformed and. I was thinking about saying something about the the fact that we shouldn't have an idea of gnosticism where it's where it's a duality, you know. Right. Right. Um I think that that is also the case here with um with salt. Uh I think people have a tendency to take it one way uh you know in the positive without forgetting that there is a negative to the salt, um, that too much of something uh, ruins the flavor. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and so the, the thing here is finding that balance in the usage, that equilibrium to, to the flavors. Um, yeah. Well, we don't want to be so bright that we blind because when you blind somebody – You've made, you've plunged them into darkness. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. Right. So it's the same thing with salt. We don't want to be so, we don't want to be so salty, as the young people would say, that we're salty. Um, and, you know, you, do you know what that is, salty? Sure. No, I mean, like, do you know what that is in, like, uh, in culture? Like, when they say, you're being salty? Uh, not... No, I, I understand what it is in my day, but... but it, well, it might be just something that's like old vernacular that's being used again, but... Could be. It's like when someone's being salty to you, it's like they're, they've got an attitude. Okay. Is, is that how that was used before? Yeah. Basically. Yeah, you don't want to be so salty that you're salty. Yeah. Like the idea is that you're useful, and that's, that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be useful, and the, the ways that salt is useful are very similar to the ways that, that Christians are supposed to be useful. Um, and we, no better way of doing that is, is there is than within the way we speak to each other. Right, exactly. Uh, I would use, see here I would go back to my, my experience as a, uh, you know, as a, in the kitchen, and and uh, and what you do in order to um, salt something correctly, I mean, one of the you know 
a lot of people say I, I cook the old-fashioned way. So a lot of people cook by recipe. So you read a recipe, it says put a quarter teaspoon of salt or it's, you know, what, whatever. Right. And, and, but, but I don't cook that way. What I do is I cook and I take the finished product and then with all the flavors that are there, and then I taste a little bit of it to see if I need to enhance those flavors and to draw them out. And so you put a little bit of salt... And then you mix it all in again, and then you take a taste of it to see whether you need a little bit more, or you know, are you where you're supposed to be? And and uh, that's kind of the way it is, and what you're talking about, that we need to be make sure that the, there's a right balance that is there, and when and then also the the remedy, of course, there are some culinary things that that. Uh, I know how to do that if I if I oversalt something then there are ways to pull back the salt so that uh, it, it won't for example if you're making a soup and you oversalt it and you want to draw the salt out of the soup so that it's not as powerful take a couple of uh, peel a couple of uh, potatoes and drop those potatoes in the soup, not not cut up, but whole. Drop a couple of whole potatoes in the soup, and those potatoes will draw the salt to themselves and pull it out of the soup. Um, there's, a, there's a couple of tricks that you can use, but if you oversalt something, it's really hard to correct it. Right, so, and the analogy then plays to the way that, uh, like the church. Yes. The church has a tendency to... Over salt. Uh, the way that I would look at that, for instance, at least in this day and age, is like churches that are programmatic. Like there's the right type of salt, which is speaking into people's lives, giving them the gospel, um, and treating them usefully, being kind and tenderhearted. But then there's being incredibly programmatic, speaking, uh, micromanaging people, um, uh, showing, not showing, but uh, quoting scripture at people instead of like, encouraging people to become cooks themselves with the salt and right. so on and so forth. Right. Or becoming a church that brands yourself in such a way that you're uh, obnoxious to society. Yeah. I'm thinking of that one church. That, Westboro Baptist. That, yeah, Westboro Baptist. That you know, they go and they... they uh, God hates fags. God hates fags. God hates... Yeah, that's uh, Westboro. God, God hates soldiers. So they go to the funerals of soldiers and protest and call the soldiers trade. It's just, it's distasteful. Right. And that, it, yes. And so those types of things uh, are not productive in how it is that we're representing uh, our faith as disciples of Christ. Right. So you need to be, you need to be careful about those things because ultimately as believers, that is our goal. Well, just like everything, salt may be the right thing to add, but amount matters. Oh, definitely. <laughs> you know, it might be you might be right in in the in in a certain element of it, but when you put too much in, it's wrong. And that's the reason, and that's why the the the, cook, the culinary illustration uh, fits so well because there are certain foods that already have properties to them that you, sometimes you don't really need to add a lot of salt. Yeah. 
And so, you know, you need to be able to figure out what is the right blend in order for, you know, what you're cooking to be just right. Yeah. And in the same way, as believers, we need to seek to endeavor to do the same thing. So scripture, you know, indicates that we are to be the salt of the earth with all of those properties that we've talked about. Now, uh, before we close this section, let's just touch on this because Josh briefly did, and uh, the same thing can be said. Um, scripture also says that we are uh, a light to the world and that we're not to hide that light. So one of the properties uh, of light... Uh, I know there's all kinds of different light, and you know, we have different kinds of light uh, that uh, we've discovered, uh, you know, in our day to day. But, but um, basically, light overcomes darkness, and light exposes uh, those things which are in the dark. So, so as light, our responsibility, according to Scripture as we are light, is to take the light of the gospel of Christ, which is the hope for mankind, but it also exposes those uh, evil deeds that are the byproduct of our being selfish and desiring to glorify self. Right. And so the purpose of us being light in society then is to expose... Um, but but not only does light expose, but light allows an individual to uh, add clarity in what is seen, mm -hmm. and so and so because of that, the church then, as the light of the world, uh, is able to influence society in a positive way because of exposure but also adding clarity and lighting the way so that people can see uh, where they're going and what they're doing. Yeah, there's a, um, I spent a long time preaching um, a particular sermon on light, uh, if you guys are interested in talking about it. But yeah, there's a lot to light. God is just really um, good basically mm -hmm. in, in the way that he um i posted a link in the comments here if you guys want to check it out um but he's really good in the way that he sets up everything to point to him and light is so massive in it in how it gives life to everything mm -hmm. makes everything um better so anyway yeah and, and same we... difference though same difference too much light will blind a person okay. will will irradiate a person right so on right. and so forth but if but but if there's not enough light, then uh, people are drawn towards it. Ro my my wife was uh, asked me to my wife asked me to trim uh, some tree branches because her flowers in uh, when I when I seniorized my front yard. I made provision for her flowers. So she's got a bunch of rose bushes and various other flowers. And this one tree branch was not allowing light to come through. Mm. And so this plant was bending, bending. itself yep. in order to try to get some light 
So she asked me to, to get rid of those tree branches so that it didn't have to have a, a, <laughs> a weird shape to it because it was bending trying to get that light exposure. Right, right. You know, so God's creation will do the same thing. It is drawn towards the light. And so we're going to, so that's, uh, those are two elements that scripture indicates that we as believers are to be. We are to be a light to the world and influence the world in a positive way uh, and expose the world to the gospel of Christ so that people might be drawn to Christ uh, and the, uh, the, their lives might be exposed as, as uh, being wanting and needing uh, the, uh, the gospel that is afforded to them and salvation through the shed blood of Christ. So we're going to end this section um, with uh, with that discussion. What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with that? He said, she said, we said, he said, what up with that? In what's up with that today, we're gonna discuss a little bit about current events and about um, some of the things that have been going on. Um, and I, I looked as I normally do through the news and all I could see was things about, you know, animals and animalia and crazy things. And I just didn't want to go through. You were through all that. about the animalia when it comes to this. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't want to. Not today though. Okay. Not today. So today we're going to divert just a little bit because there is lots of crazy things going on, um, around us. And, uh, I don't know if you knew it, but last week I was on vacay last week, but last week, um, there was uh, a historic event that took place that uh, was really, really, really big. And that is that uh, Robert Mueller testified uh, before Congressional Committee because he was subpoenaed to do so. And the Democrats that subpoenaed him um, were very excited that he might um, give them more ammunition, as it were, uh, to impeach a sitting president. Mm -hmm. and, and what was historic about that was that um, it was a complete failure. The, the, testi the, the testimony tes was testimony a complete failure. Meaning and what his testimony was bad or meaning they weren't able to get anything to impeach? Meaning that that he didn't know anything. Oh, what was revealed when? Uh, so 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 I don't know if you've had opportunity to to watch one of these things, but when somebody is brought before Congress to testify before a committee, um, not only does the the both the Democrats and the Republicans have an opportunity to ask questions. Right. And to get clarification. And so what they're really asking questions about is they're asking questions about this 400-page report that he wrote that the Democrats commissioned him to write in order to do a tell-all for what he was commissioned to investigate, which took two and a half years. And what, what was determined uh, through his testimony and through questioning that he was unaware of the content 
what that was in the report that he supposedly wrote. Weird. Well, what it yeah. So what it really means is that somebody else wrote it. Yeah, somebody else wrote it. That's exactly what it means. Is that um? Let's see. How, how would you say this? Is that perjury? Well, I don't know that it's perjury, but it does bring up several questions. It brings up questions specifically. Um, you know, Robert Mueller was, uh, first of all, he shouldn't have been. Now, we'll just give, a, this is just background. This is just factual background. When somebody is put in the position that he was in in order to investigate something, they cannot have any bias. Yeah. Or they have to separate themselves from the investigation. Right. So just two days, <laughs> two days before he was named to be the head investigator for this particular issue, um, he had been denied a job by President Trump to be the head of the FBI. Okay. So two days later, he's put in charge of right. this deal. He should have recused himself. He should have recused so, himself. So is that something that is, like, are people taking issue with that? Well, the, uh, there are people that are taking issue with it on the Republican side, but on the Democrats, not so much. So, and then, so Robert Mueller had a history. I mean, he was a decorated Marine. He, you know, he, he uh, set himself, you know, he, he uh, had a, a good career as a prosecutor. Uh, he worked in the FBI. So... You know, and so the belief is, is that he, uh, they were using him basically for branding mm -hmm. and to put forth the idea that, that, that uh, he would be fair in how things were being done. The only problem was, is what was then coming out through this cross-examination that was taking place and the questions that were being asked is that, um, he had a limited understanding of what he was supposed to do, and he never followed, see, his original charge that he was to look at the issues surrounding Russian interference in the election. Right. But the only thing that he looked at was whether President Trump and his crew had any, any interference. He didn't look at anything surrounding Hillary Clinton's crew and the fact that, uh, you know, she paid a couple million dollars uh, to influence uh, the election and to the Russians, which is documented. Hmm. He didn't even touch any of that. So we have, again, a conflict there. And then all of the, the he had 24 attorneys right. working for him. And every one of these attorneys were Democrats. And in fact, some of them actually worked for Hillary Clinton. Hmm. Again, the issue of recusal. Uh, recusal that, that, and, and so the bottom line is the final, it, it, was, it, it was historic from the standpoint that the Democrats had to admit that having Robert Mueller testify before Congress was a disaster. I see. Uh, because they, they got actually nowhere. Um, and you would think that because how when much they, money went into twenty four million dollars? Okay. No, and let me let me back up a little bit. I think it was nineteen attorneys, nineteen attorneys, twenty four million dollars that was spent. 
So there's a couple things here. Just from a, a now we're as a, as a as a pastor, as a as a theologian, you know, as a, as a Bible man, there's a couple things here that that I would take issue with. First and foremost, our laws are set up uh, in and here's here's and we're going to talk about this in just a second. Here's the other thing, which is here, the the premise for the laws of this land that we live in, not any other country, right. but the but the premise of the laws in the United States, foundational, first and foremost, is that you are innocent until proven guilty. Right. And if you can't, so you, you don't go looking for a crime and then try to find a crime to fit the fact that people want to make you guilty. And the way this was set up, his two and a half years of investigation, they were looking for a crime. There's no foundation for him being investigated, President Trump being investigated in this manner because the the uh, whole thing with Robert Mulder was well, Mueller was a sham to begin with. Nonetheless. He didn't interfere, and he let it run. It. President Trump didn't interfere, and he let it run its course because the Democrats said, "You know what? We are going to stand by whatever he finds." Well, he didn't find anything. Okay. After two well, and a yeah. half years of investigation, so now that they're done, and the committee is done, and Robert Mueller's report is done, 400-plus pages of report, and it's all done, and everything is said and done. Now the Democrats are going, well, we're still going to look for something. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so they're, they're trying to subpoena now his personal finance records. They're, they're trying to subpoena uh, the emails of his children. They're trying to look for dirt. Now, I don't know if y'all have ever seen the Minority Report. Good movie. But this is what... This, Tom this, Cruise. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about flipping on its head within our society the idea that a person is innocent until proven guilty. People who actually lived... During the um, during the uh, Nazi rule in Germany, remember the days. Not only the Nazis, but the uh, but Russia as well. Remember the days when you would live in fear of somebody banging on your door in the middle of the night and hauling you off on, if you'll forgive the pun, trumped up charges that you had no way of defending yourself against. What kind of recourse, my question in this is, what kind of recourse does a man like Donald Trump have when he's being witch-hunted that way? He's the president of the United States, and he's got that happening. He fights it through the courts. Well, okay. That's all he can do. But you understand my, what I, I'm just saying. Like, I do, That's yeah. a crazy situation. And know, I mean, to some degree, the position invites it. And the and the and and he doesn't and he doesn't help himself right by being uh, as he calls himself a counterpuncher. 
Yeah. So he doesn't help himself by making tweets and and you know and uh, calling people on the carpet. Right. And and saying you know, uh, so he didn't help himself at all. But the reality of it is, is if you can get beyond the politics for a moment and and think to yourself, what would it be like to live in a society where you're guilty? Until you can prove your innocence. Yeah. And this is what the far left are beginning to try to do to our society today. And they're not, start, they're not starting at the bottom. They're starting at the top. Yeah. And so, they're, and so for the past two and a half years, they have been pursuing this man um, under a false narrative and a false premise and do it's you, it's a danger to our society. Do you think that they'll continue to pursue him after, like, let's say he doesn't get reelected? Do you well, think they'll continue to pursue him afterwards? There are some people who have said that uh, that uh, th- the only reason Robert Mueller didn't find any obstruction was because you can't uh, indict a sitting president, which is which is which is not true. Mm-hmm. Which is not true, but that's the narrative they're presenting. So there are members of the Democrat uh, caucus so you think that afterwards who assert that afterwards that's exactly what they're going to do. Mm. The, 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 the problem with that, again, we're, we're dealing with people that you would think that these people are responsible for shaping the laws of the land. You would think that they would have some understanding of what it is that they're talking about. Because the reality of it is, first of all, um, when, when, when somebody in the position of Robert Mueller has a charge that he charged, prosecutors are required by law to either charge or not to charge. And if uh, a charge is, and if they can't charge, all of the investigation up to that point is sealed and is not allowed to be looked at. So either you charge or you don't charge. Sure. And since President Trump wasn't charged with anything, aside from the fact that the whole investigation was a sham, there's no way that he could be charged with anything. But 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 aside from that, putting out the narrative that they think that they can go after him when he becomes a citizen and he's no longer a president takes it out of one realm and puts it into another. So what they're saying right now is they're going to pursue impeachment. Impeachment is a political process. Mm -hmm. But charging somebody with a crime necessitates that you have to first have committed a crime. Well, yeah, you have to have evidence. And the fact that there is no evidence... And that they've spent all this time trying to find evidence. And that's the reason why they're trying to now dig through his personal files and try to get access to, to say he, you know, so they're trying to dig up some type of a crime. Yeah. Uh, the, and, uh, yeah, so it's, but, but, but my concern and why I, I fit it into the what's up with that is because here's the deal. Do you want to live in a society? There are some believers, unfortunately, who do live in these types of societies. 
But as believers we, in, in American society, the foundation that, we, that this society is built on is the fact that you are innocent until proven guilty. Even when we go into Scripture, Scripture does not allow an assertion to be made against somebody unless there are two or three witnesses that can corroborate the assertion. Right. And so Scripture is very clear that you just can't have people making things up. Right. But this is what they're doing right before everybody's eyes. And it's, it's troubling, uh, quite frankly. Um, so yeah, if you if you haven't seen it, if you don't, if you think that this is a uh, that I'm blowing things out of proportion, watch the minority, watch the uh, the Minority Report. But I don't think I, Minority Report is about pre-crime. Well, it's about it's about pre-crime, but the idea is is that you're held guilty for something you never really did. Well, it's you're held guilty for something that you could possibly do. And probably will do. Except that it was found out that uh, the cognitives were not. Oh, oh, yeah, don't do that. Okay. Okay. (laughs) But but if you go back into our recent history, as as recent as the hearings surrounding um, uh, Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh, Again, the assertion by the left was that he had committed some type of crime which disqualified him from doing something and thrown out completely the premise of you are innocent until proven guilty. You know, not to brand myself as somebody who gets political, but I was just reading an article by the newly resurrected Ruth uh, Ginsburg. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Freshly minted. And uh, which I think is hilarious, but anyway, uh, and she was just talking about how Kavanaugh and uh, what's the other one, the Gorsh, Gor- yeah, yeah, Gorsh, Gorsh, Gorsuch, um, are uh, she considers them to be like good judges. Well, they are good judges. I know. I just she's you know she's the she's <laughs> yeah the she's the an, for, yeah she's the antithesis of and the, she was just, the liberal. I was just reading in an article with her where she was saying that you know they're good guys, good judges. She's happy to serve with them. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was interesting. So, so this is one of the things that's happening in society. So, I would just say in regard to uh, the Democrats and the whole thing with uh, you know the Mueller report and et cetera, et cetera. What's up with that? You know, get you. You were not elected to. Um, you know, you were not elected to the leadership positions that you are in to resist taking care of the business of the United States. Uh, you were not elected to. Um, you know, to hold hearings to try to remove somebody from office because you don't like them. Yeah, and there's lots of stuff that needs to be fixed. Mm-hmm. So fix it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, okay, so let's move on from there. So let's talk about uh, a related issue, but um, but uh, uh, something that's happening as well. Let's move on to our last segment here in the 10 minutes or so we have left. Uh, cultural craziness, or um, my wife had. Uh, uh, see, and now I can't. I can't read, it'll come to me. Uh, um, Lucy Brown, jog my memory, if you will. 
Um, oh, cultural lunacy. Cultural lunacy. Yeah, I, she, I like that better. Yeah, she said cultural lunacy. I said cultural crazy. Why don't you try cultural lunacy? Because it's really within the realm of lunacy. So uh, we're, we were talking last week about, about uh, defining some terms and gaining an understanding, as it were, of some of the things that's ha- happening culturally. And one of the things that is, is happening is this issue of um, calling somebody a racist. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, if, so if, if, if uh, so, so every time you turn around, somebody is calling somebody a racist. And we defined last week, according to dictionary, what the the actual definition of racism is. And just because somebody disagrees with you doesn't mean that they're a racist. Mm -hmm. And just because somebody has a different skin color than you and you disagree with them doesn't mean that you or them are racist. And so when you apply the term racism, but the reason it's being applied in the way it is, and it's just out there all the time, you know, my, uh, my wife and I'll be talking about some of these issues. We talk about some rather in-depth issues. That's one of the reasons why I love her and, and, we, uh, and we interact well together is because, um, you know, she has, a, uh, she has a strong intellectual mind. And we talk about these types of things. And so, you know, there are certain times when she'll say something to me and I'll just tell her, you know, that is the most racist statement I've ever heard. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> you know, now I'm teasing her and exaggerating it, obviously, but she'll say the same thing to me. Oh, man, you're being racist. Now, we're not being, but that's what's being thrown out there today in society is that because there's an attempt, and we closed our discussion last week with, uh, on this point, and so I just bring it back out, that the, the way that our society works in theory, uh, and, and not only that, but the way that the, the church grew up was by taking um, ideas and concepts and putting them out, coming from different views, mm-hmm. and putting them out there and analyze them, discussing them, tearing them apart, putting them back together, coming to a consensus. Right, deconstructing, and saying, reconstructing. Yeah, and saying this is, this is where we're going to go with this. When, when somebody throws out there an epithet towards somebody that they're racist because they hold a certain view, the whole point in doing that is to shut down discussion. And when you shut down discussion, then there's no, there's no coming together and finding solutions. And what we see happening today are a variety of individuals who say that... Uh, there are people who are racist because they observe things which are factual. In fact, two days in fact, over the weekend, there was a big explosion because of the fact that uh, uh, Congressman Elijah Cummings was berating the uh, person who is in charge of trying to deal with what's happening on the southern border of the United States. 
berating him, shamefully berating him. President Trump watched that, and he basically said uh, to Elijah Cummins, instead of you berating this individual, why don't you take a look at your own constituency and what is going on in the city of Baltimore? Because it's, it's, it's sad. And there are six... There are six or seven cities that you can list in the United States. So people are, and and so people are saying that to, uh, uh, in regard to President Trump's tweet that it was racist mm, because sure. the man because Cummings is, is black. black. That's correct, and 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 predominant and, and the city of Baltimore has a large black population, and the area where the city has fallen into disrepair, so much so that there are houses that are, need to be torn down. There are dead rats laying all over the place. There's garbage all over the place. Basically, it's a disaster. And President Trump is basically saying to Elijah Cummins, why don't you pay attention to your constituents and your district and do something to try to help these people instead of berating somebody who is who is working to protect our country. And they said of President Trump, well, he's being a racist. Well, no, he's not. He's pointing out factual information. But this is what's being done on the left. I mean, you can be, you can be racist and still be just using the facts. Yes, but if you're going to claim that somebody is racist, Josh then you have to look at the whole of what the person represents and what they do or don't do. I don't know that that's true. I believe it's true. I mean, if what you're saying is that, like from last week, for, or last week, yeah, from last week, you were saying that at least the definition that you use for racism is that a person believes they're... Superior. They're superior, right? That is the definition. So I don't know that you need to look at everything that's said because it's... Because they can use the facts, but they're slanted toward their superiority. That's and that's not what's being done in regard to this situation with uh, with Congressman Cummings. Yeah, I I don't deny that. I just don't think that because he only used the facts, that means he's not racist. Yeah, yeah, no, no, he's but 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 that is what is being used against him in a number of forms and it's not only against him there are a number of people that the left tries to shut down any discussion uh, with the claim that you're racist i don't know that it's a left thing but sure it, let's say that they're just more vocal about it how's that mm-hmm. because racism exists wherever you go i've lived in all kinds of different cultures and it's always fascinating from a from a social science standpoint it's always fascinating to me to watch the different cultures and explore the racism that exists there when i lived in hawaii the hawaiian culture were um were racist in how it is that they dealt with samoans sure um and and uh, it was in it was inside of the culture and how it is that uh, they presented themselves. If you go over into Asia, one of the driving forces behind the Japanese invading um, the areas that they did, in particularly trying to get into Korea, is because uh, the Japanese feel that they're superior to the Koreans. 
I think that it's just a human issue. I I mean, I don't really... I, I would agree with that to an extent. I don't really believe in racism in the way that people... In the way that people view it. I, I do think that there are things that are generally racist, but I, I think that are genuinely racist. But I think that racism is uh, an extension of humans and their thought process that they're better than everyone right the glorification of self right Uh, and i I I must be better than everybody else and i think that couching it in racist terms rather than going as a perspective rather than going to the heart of the issue which is um pride right you know is how people can get away with it it's it's somewhat of an ad hominem attack um Oh, definitely, definitely, and yeah. in 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 the like, I think people are hateful. I don't, I don't necessarily think that people are racist. I think they're just hateful, and what they use to be hateful is, is racism. Is racism, right? right? Or, or the or throwing that out as an epithet that that you're racist because of the way you do things, right? It's uh, the same thing as hate speech. Yeah, and in. And so again, you get in, and maybe we'll, we'll take a segment where we'll talk about hate speech, and we'll talk about what that that, that whole issue. But the reality of it is, is that um, from a scriptural standpoint, now in the church, there's there's no room for for uh, the idea of superiority and and racism, right? Because because we are one in Christ. As disciples of Christ, we are one in Christ. Right. And so because we're one in Christ, there isn't a differentiation of somebody because of their uh, because of their color. Right. Because we all recognize that God is the creator and that he created all individuals wonderfully. Well, I mean there is there is a differentiation, but it doesn't speak to people's value. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. I'll, sure. I'll, yeah. Let's put it that way. Because it's a difficult. Like we don't want people to think that we should be colorblind. The truth is, is that God made those colors for us to see and for us to experience and for us to appreciate and to even honor. And you may have, and you may gravitate towards um, a particular culture or a particular um, uh, skin tone, which is not of your own. Right. Well, and I think that. I, I think that that's totally fine. Yeah. I think it's fine to say, like, that's a beautiful black man or that's a beautiful, you know, Asian woman or whatever. And and like the slant of the eyes or the way that, you know, somebody has like a longer nose or whatever. Different cultures over time, especially if you study art history, have celebrated specific cultural uh, markings, you know, whether it be the whether it be uh, the Greco-Roman look where they made every, every Jewish person look like yeah, they, yeah. they came from Rome, <laughs> yeah. even to the point of, uh, I think it's David, uh, I think it's Donatello's David isn't circumcised. Like, I mean, it's just, that's something that we do. Or whether, you know, people celebrate uh, the more apple-bottom rounded shape in, in black culture, for instance. I mean, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Like there's and, nothing and, wrong with saying that exists and I like it. And it's also fine to recognize that certain cultures or certain groups of people um, uh, accentuate uh, particular abilities. Yeah. Some so, some people are, you know, 
Uh, some uh, black uh, blacks are known to be good at sports. Yeah, they're they're and, and, and good at and good at music. That's not to say that whites can't be. But right. remember, Spike Lee did make the movie "White People Can't Jump." Well, Spike Lee is and, something. <laughs> uh, and, but that's that's the and, thing. And some white people can. Well, that's the thing. What we're talking about is you know like biological inclination. On a value scale, that just because you have a biological inclination towards something doesn't mean that you are less valuable than a person who doesn't. It's the same when we get into that conversation of men versus women. Or how about yeah, yeah. adults versus children? Yeah. Like, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be able to, to celebrate or honor those differences. Or that only people who have not historically oppressed other people are allowed to you know that only the oppressed people can celebrate those differences right like with the n-word in black culture only right. the black people can call black people the n-word but yeah. white people can't and they use it a lot i'm just saying like that doesn't make sense to me yeah yeah so as believers you know when i guess what i would say because we need to close this uh, conversation because yeah, we're, we're about we're, 10 minutes out. we're about we're on our over our time but 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 here's the deal uh, first of all, in the church, as I said, racism doesn't belong. But my, and you can appreciate all these things that Pastor Josh and I have been talking about. But the reality of it is, is that it, when you hear somebody throwing out that term in society today, you really need to look at that and take it with a grain of salt. Is somebody really racist because they hold a particular point of view. As I mentioned last week, I think it is, when I look at individuals, I don't care what color your skin is. I care, and what, and what culture you come from, I care about whether you're competent or not. Right. And there are lots of people that are competent. Uh, you know, I was, I was listening to uh, Dr. Carson yesterday, um, Secretary Carson, and uh, what a brilliant man, you know? Uh, it has nothing to do with his skin color. This guy was a brain surgeon, uh, particularly dealing with children. So, you know, brilliant. Uh, has nothing to do with his skin color. Has to do with is he competent or is he not competent. And that's the issue for me. Is right. whether somebody's competent or not in what they seek to do or propose that they're going to do. So people who promote racism, people, in, uh, regardless of what your skin color is, and there's, there's plenty of people who are race promoters, for example, I'll just throw a name out there, but uh, if you ever listen to uh, Al Sharpton, you know, I told my wife the other day, that man is going to stand at the judgment seat of God. Yeah. Uh, if you you know if you listen to Al Sharpton, or um, if you listen to uh, um, uh, Farrakhan, Louis mm. Farrakhan. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! Well, I mean, there's a huge difference between the two. Well, yeah, Farrakhan be- doesn't believe in our God, but no, Sharpton claims to. Yes, exactly, and that's why Sharpton's going to stand in a special type of judgment. So, it, but if you hear somebody throw out the term racism. Be careful to take it with a grain of salt when it's applied to somebody. Yeah. Look to see whether there's really validity or not in how that person acts and what they do. And do they really treat people like they're superior to them? Or are they just acting uh, differently because they have a different uh, perspective? Yeah. 
Alright, well that's our show for today. I uh, hope it's generated some discussion. It's been interesting for you. And uh, we will be back next week, uh, 11 o'clock. Yeah. Uh, if you have more thoughts on that subject, we realize it's you know kind of a volatile subject, possibly. So if you have more thoughts on that subject, feel free to uh, you know message us. And maybe you can even come on and talk to us about it. Yeah, absolutely. Or, hey, you know, there's uh, uh, during the free time uh, for those uh, ABFers that are listening during the free time, during the uh, retreat this weekend, if retreat, you want to yep. talk to me, grab a hold of me and say, hey, let's chat for a moment. Yeah. Be happy to talk with you. Maybe you can even come on the show. Uh, but for the rest of you, if you're someone who are seeking answers, you want to know more about your faith, if you're new to Jesus Christ or the Bible, we want to help you. So check out the help tab at abfpdx.org. And remember that we're always open to questions. Pastor Monty is ready and waiting to deliver some sage advice and insight. So don't be shy. And uh, this show, the Truth Time with Pastor Monty podcast, is a resource of Aletheia Bible Fellowship of Portland, Oregon. It's a webcast on the Vigilance Radio Network, a resource developed by Project Vigilance. ABF's web portal that provides helpful and interesting online resources for the church local and at large. If you want to be a part of the VRN and what we're doing here, join Vigilance Radio Network's Facebook page to get access to all of our shows, including Culture Insanity, The Upper Story, and Cross-Examination, which just happened last Sunday, and comment and question in real time with us. And if you've enjoyed Truth Time, consider supporting us. Our network and shows are are free to you, but they are not free to us. So head over to abfpdx.org and click the donate tab. Even a $1 a month uh, donation will be put to good use for the gospel. And if you're poor like us, that's okay too. You can still partner with us by remembering to like, subscribe, and share our podcast. Please take a second to do that right now if this is a show that um, you, know, you found meaningful, useful. You can always find it on ABF's YouTube page, our Instagram, our Facebook, and, of course, the VRN Facebook group. So take a second to do that, guys. Uh, and remember, just like Pastor Monty said, stay up to date whenever we share new content each week, which is shared on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. We will see you then. I am Pastor Josh, your engineer and senior pastor over at ABF, and this has been Pastor Monty. The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network.